Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 So good to see everyone this morning. I hope you're ready to worship the Lord this morning. What an exciting time to be here today. We're glad you're here. We just want to welcome everyone to Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. Praise God. Amen. 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 I just have a, an announcement regarding Christmas. Don't you just love this time of year? Don't you love our Christmas season that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior? I just love the Christmas music and just the, 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 the atmosphere, right? It's just so great. Uh, great time of year. And we want to share with you our Christmas program is going to be on December the 20th. That's two weeks from today. And uh, we're excited. The ensemble will be ministering in both services. And then our children will be ministering in our 1045 service only. So we want to invite you to be sure and, and get the word out. We want to invite others to come and uh, be blessed uh, by our Christmas program. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're ready to worship the Lord. I want to invite everyone to stand with us this morning as we open in prayer. Hallelujah. We want to worship our King today. He's worthy of our highest praise. Aren't you thankful today for God's love, for our Lord and our Savior? Hallelujah. The promise of eternal life. Woo! Glory. He's worthy of our praise this morning. Let's worship our Lord. Father, we praise You today, Lord God. Father, we come into Your house, Lord God, with grateful hearts. Lord, we thank You for another day. Lord, another opportunity to worship You, to worship with our brothers, our sisters in the Lord today. And Father, as we come, we come with a great expectation, Lord, to meet with You today, Lord God. We pray that You would move in a mighty way, that You would minister to every need, Father, but most most of all, we pray, God, that you would be glorified, Lord, as we come to worship the King of glory. Lord, we worship you today, Lord God. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Go tell it on the
giver, the way maker, the miracle worker, our God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're here this morning. That you're moving in our midst, Lord.
glorify you, Lord. We glorify you. We praise you. We honor you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we bless you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you are. We worship you and praise you with all that is within us. We thank you for your precious blood that was shed for us. We thank you for your mighty resurrection, glorification that we rejoice in and that we celebrate. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the great salvation you've given us. Please continue to hover. Please continue to dwell. Please continue to speak to each heart, touch every life. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Glory. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that indeed you will work, that indeed you shall unfold your good plan in our lives, that you shall bring to pass your good promise, that as we stand firm in the faith, trusting and believing and praising, you shall bring to pass what you've promised to do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hang on to that. Grab that. If you have your Bibles, if you'd please, go to John's Gospel, chapter number 1. John's Gospel, chapter number 1. Beginning with verse 40. Beginning with verse 40. Good to see everybody. Who do we got here? Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to spend the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, preaching from some incidents in Peter's life. So, John 1 and verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John, that's John the Baptist, had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Once you find Jesus, tell someone else. Bring someone else to Jesus. Amen? In verse 42, 
and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and then said to him, You are Simon, son of John, which will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Now, we want to spend our moments this morning preaching about Peter and God's second greatest miracle. Peter and God's second greatest miracle. Again, the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, we're going to preach about Peter. Peter's a favorite, I don't mind telling you, in studying how God chose him, rough edges and all, imperfections and all, and how God chose him and developed him and how God used his life always encourages me because figure if he did it for Peter, he can do it for me and he can do it for you. Amen? And this morning, we want to look at Peter's first encounter with Jesus. Peter's first encounter with Jesus. And again, our title... Peter and God's second greatest miracle. God's second greatest miracle. We know the greatest miracle that God performs is the salvation of a lost sinner. And really, that's pretty simple, I think, the reasons are. I mean, actually, number one, you know, the miracle of salvation meets the greatest need. Amen? The miracle of salvation meets the greatest need. I mean, without salvation in Christ, none of us stands a chance. But the Bible is very clear that every one of us all are guilty before God and all have sinned before the Lord. And we're all guilty. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are unable to save themselves. Each one of us, we can't earn it. We can't merit it. We, um, we, we cannot ignore it. We all need a Savior. And salvation that heaven appreciates, applauds, and receives is that which comes through faith. In Jesus Christ. Amen. That's, it's in Christ that every need is met. It's in Jesus that um, His salvation and the needs of a holy God are fully and completely met. So, we number one, the miracle of salvation meets the greatest need. The need that everyone has. The need of a Savior. But secondly, the miracle of salvation, it costs the greatest price. I mean, the death of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son on Calvary's cross. That was the price required to save us and to redeem us and to make us right before God. I mean, you know, other miracles that Jesus performed, He just did by the act of His will, or maybe He just spoke His Word. But the miracle of salvation, to accomplish that, God had to give the costliest of sacrifices. He had to give His only begotten Son to die for the sins of the world. Jesus paid the price for our salvation. He made it possible for you and I to become right before God. He took the punishment. He endured the wrath of a holy God that our sins deserve. Friend, listen. Grace is free, but man, it's not cheap, is it? It's not cheap. And the greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation. Because again, it's, salvation meets our, our, our need, our greatest need. Everyone needs a Savior. But secondly, salvation is the costliest miracle. Because it costs God to send His only Son and Jesus had to endure the wrath of God that you and I could be redeemed. But, you know, lastly, the miracle of salvation, it produces the greatest and most lasting results. I mean, think about it. Jesus healed the sick and He raised the dead, but ultimately they, they died again. Um, he fed the hungry, but ultimately they had to eat again. But when a sinner comes to Christ, when He forgives a repentant sinner, when a person comes to Jesus with sincere faith and real repentance, then that precious blood of Jesus cleanses that person. The Holy Spirit of God comes and lives within that person and makes them brand new. And man, that's a work that lasts for time and for eternity. 
You know, when, when a sinner turns by faith to Jesus, that they experience a miracle that makes them the children of God, makes them a son or daughter of the living God. And that's a miracle that lasts. That's a miracle that lasts. We're here today as a testimony of that miracle. We testify by our presence and by our lives that this is real and this is something that lasts. The miracle of salvation, the greatest miracle that anyone could ever receive, it meets the greatest need, it costs the dearest price, and it lasts, it lasts, it lasts. The results are the greatest. We thank the Lord this day that our lives bear witness to this truth. It's real and it's last. Can you say amen? Let's look at Acts 13, verse 38 and 39, just to sum up this thought. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. It's through Jesus. It's not through a church. It's not through our good works. But through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross, we proclaim forgiveness. We proclaim you can be forgiven. You might have done some horrible things, but if you'll come to Jesus, you can be forgiven. You don't want to face a holy, holy God one day when you pass from this life if you don't know forgiveness. And we proclaim to you, there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He'll cleanse you and wash you completely. Look at that next verse. Through Jesus, everyone who believes. You've got to believe. You've got to receive Him. You've got to come to Him. But everyone who believes is justified. That means they're made right before God. They're made just before the Almighty God from everything you could not be justified by the law any other way would fall short but through jesus you'll find forgiveness with god and you'll get a right standing before god we proclaim to you the greatest miracle there is is the saving of a soul and god has made that possible for whosoever will if you'll just come to jesus just put your faith in christ and just follow him can you say amen Now, God's greatest miracle leads to His second greatest miracle. And that's the transforming of that life. The transforming of His children into the people He desires them to be. You see, the new birth isn't the end. It's just the beginning of this great walk with God, you see. The crisis of the new birth, that means that instant immediate event that takes place when you truly receive Christ into your heart. The crisis of the new birth leads to the process of the new life. Those of us that have received Christ, we're in the process of becoming the ones He's called us to be. That's where the believers are made more and more into the image of Christ. The Bible says we're conformed into His image while at the same time we're becoming the ones individually that He's created us to be. This is the second greatest miracle. This is what happened with Peter. I mean, Jesus found him and Jesus made his life a miracle. He, He wasn't faultless if you know the story. At times, he was a bit unstable. He could be impulsive and headstrong. I mean, Peter, he spoke when he should have listened. He acted when he should have waited. But Jesus loved Peter just like He loves you and I. And He didn't give up on him, but He kept encouraging him. And He was there for him again and again. And and He transformed Peter from an ordinary fisherman to an extraordinary servant of God. But listen, Peter was anything but a rock when Jesus named him. But He named him, not for what He was, 
but for what, by God's grace, He would become. We are becoming. And God believes in His people. You see, the Christian that is sincere and the Christian that is serious, the believer's life is a life of overcoming and becoming. It's a life of overcoming old habits and old attitudes and old strongholds and becoming that strong, steady, stable, maturing child of the living God. It's becoming the one that God has called us and created us to be. This life of walking with God, it's a life of uh, persevering and prevailing. We persevere because there is resistance and this world is not our home. And this old nature tries to get back in control of things and there's a prevailing that takes place and a perseverance that takes place. But through it all, we do prevail because the greater one lives within us and the one that began and the work of salvation is there to help us complete the work of His great salvation. I mean, for a serious believer, this Christian experience is one of overcoming and it's one of becoming. It's one of persevering against, but also prevailing over by the grace and power of God. It's a walk of dying and it's a walk of developing. It's a walk of dying because old Joe has got to go. But it's a walk of developing as Christ in me increases and I develop faith and the fruit of the Spirit in a lifestyle that glorifies God. Oh, we're talking about the walk of becoming. We're talking about the second greatest miracle. After we're saved, God wants to transform us into the men and women He's called us to be. It won't happen by accident. It won't take place without effort. But if we'll work with God, God will work in us and we can become the ones He's called us to be. Can you say amen? You see, the book that we love so much, the book that we read our Bible, it's not just about sins that are forgiven, lives that were saved and forgiven, but it's about lives that were transformed by the power of God and lives that were used for the glory of God. Therefore, let us come into the fullness of our spiritual inheritance. Let's press forward into maturity and into victory and into spiritual productivity that God has called us to. For God has so much more for each one of us. Let us do our part to enter into God's best. Let us do our part to leave the elementary childish level of walking with God and becoming consistent and concrete, and steady, and and, and fruitful, and overcoming in, in our walk. If you have put your faith in Christ, then you have experienced the greatest miracle. You've passed from death unto life. Your name is written in heaven. You are now a child of God. But now it's time to put your life into His hands and experience His second greatest miracle. That's letting Jesus make you into the person He wants you to be. You see, this second greatest miracle demands our cooperation and our participation with God. Again, Peter hears the Word from God, but it will not come 
into being automatically or accidentally. It will demand of Him a response to the call of God. It will demand of Him a response to the Word of God. Let us remember, Jesus created the worlds with just a word. Jesus could calm the storms with just a word. Jesus could heal the sick with just a touch. But in order for you and I to become and overcome and be made into the ones He's called us to be, we must do our part to work with God. Tell your neighbor, He needs your cooperation. He needs your cooperation. It's not just showing up in osmosis. He demands of us an obedient heart and a willful will that will seek God and obey God and go forward in the things of God. You see, it's a process and it's a partnership. But if you'll work with God, I want you to know bad habits and strongholds can be eradicated. Good news, good news. You don't have to have the same testimony 20 years from now. You can grow out of some of those things. You can overcome many of those things. Bad habits can be eradicated. And new traits, godly traits, blessed traits can be developed. It's more than forgiveness. It's a transformed life. It's a life that has the mark of God all upon it. And God's desire and His vision for your life can be accomplished as you walk with God. As you walk with God. Remember, bad habits can be eradicated. I've got good news for someone. You don't got to keep that nasty temper. You've had it too long. God says, let's overcome it. You need to walk in that gentleness. You need to walk in that peace. You need to walk in that self-control of the Holy Spirit. God can work a deep work in your life. There might be hidden sins that others don't know about, but God says you can overcome that. I know the devil says you're stuck with it, but the devil is a liar. You can be freed who the Son sets free. You see, the working of the Holy Spirit is a greatly internal work that brings an external evidence. It's an internal work that brings an external evidence. He works within, but all people will see the results without. Don't let there be any mistaking about it. It reminds me of that old story years and years ago on the evangelist holding that revival meeting and night after night they'd open the altars. Men and women come and seek the Lord and call on God receive prayer. One old gentleman come down to the end of the altar Sunday, uh, night after night. He cried out. He wanted more of God. He wanted to grow in his sanctification. He cried, oh God, clear out the cobwebs. Oh God, clear out the cobwebs in my heart. Night after night, he sounded like a broken record, but he wanted God to do a fresh work in his life. Finally, after that third or fourth night, the evangelist made his way down to where the old gentleman was praying, laid his hands on his head and said, Oh God, would you just please kill the spider? And you see, that story always reminds me and always emphasizes the thorough, supernatural, complete work that the Spirit of God can do in a life to transform that life. It's more than forgiveness. It's transformation. It's more than just saying a prayer and believing He's forgotten every terrible deed. But it's pressing on in God and becoming the one God's chosen you and ordained you to be. The supernatural work of the Spirit of God that changes a man that frees a man, that makes him into that new creation that they were called and destined to be. Oh, you can overcome habits that are not pleasing to God. Habits that are holding you back 
from being a better witness and a better testimony, a better husband, a better wife. And you can develop in your life characteristics that you never believed you could. You can begin to act in ways you never believed you could if you allow the Spirit of God, not just the weeding out, but the growing out and the developing of. It reminds me of another story of that one gentleman. He had lived like an old sinner in his early days. He just lived crazy, drinking and gambling and and just living wild. But he got saved somewhere in his mid-30s, and he served God for many, many years. It was real. He got born again. His thing was real, and he lived for God. And one day, he'd been saved many years, and in the factory, the guys were joking around and teasing about religious things, and the subject came up about the Bible, and do you believe the Bible? And we bet old holy so-and-so believes the Bible. He said, hey, miss, hey, Joe, you, you believe that Bible? I believe the Bible. You believe God turned water into wine? Come on, you really believe that? He says, oh, of course I believe that. I've seen him do more than that. They all stopped. You've seen him do more than that? Oh, yeah. He says, let me tell you something in my life. I saw him turn wine into a decent house for my wife. I saw him turn gambling debts into decent clothes for my children. I've seen him turn an ugly, selfish, mean old man into a gentle, loving, and considerate husband and father. I want someone to know Jesus changes lives. Jesus changes lives. And He'll change your life if you let Him. It'll take some devotion. It'll take some daring. You might have to make some firm decisions and leave some old friends behind. But if you want to get serious with God, this God will get serious with you and it's a good thing it's a wonderful thing it's a glorious thing what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart oh he brings a change I want someone to know you can overcome that pornography you can overcome that gossiping spirit you can overcome that complaining thing God is not pleased with things but you don't have to live with them you can overcome them and you can develop a peaceful admiration. You can develop a character. You can develop a Christ-likeness in the way you treat your spouse, in the way you treat your neighbor, in the way you treat the brethren. I want someone to know you can know the peace of the Spirit. You can know the joy of the Spirit. You can know the self-control of the Spirit. You can know the gentleness of the Spirit. There is the dying of, but then there is the developing of. And we serve a God that has called us to go beyond just forgiveness. Enter into transformation. Let us go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Can somebody say amen? Let's look at verse 42 together. We'll spend the rest of our session here. That's how Jesus looked at him. Jesus looked at him. And then Jesus spoke to him. Jesus looked at him. That that word look literally means he he fixed his eyes on Peter with a penetrating gaze. Looking not just at the face of the fisherman, but into the heart and into the future of the fisherman. And with that look, Jesus understood his strengths and his weaknesses. His flaws, his potentials. He looked and then He spoke. You are, you shall be. Wow. And friend, listen, Peter was not just a nickname that Jesus gave him. But this was a prophetic announcement, a prophetic declaration from the Son of God to him. 
He was prophesying who Peter was to become as he gave himself wholeheartedly to the Savior. And I prophesy to all those within the sound of my voice, if you'll give God your all, if you'll make a complete surrender to do His will and live all out, sold out for Jesus, then God will do the same for you. He will make you into the one that you have been designed to be, that you have been desired to be, that you have been destined to be. Somebody, you can, you can. I know the devil says you can, but the devil is a liar. You can do all things. You can become the man he wants you to be. You can become the woman he wants you to be. You can overcome the things that try to trip you up and embarrass you and shame you and hold you back. You can become and You can overcome and you can accomplish the will of God for your life. Whatever God has called you to, you can do it. Whatever God has spoken to your heart, you can see it come to pass because greater is He that's within you than he that's in the world. Oh, I'm telling you, you can, you can. He that began a good work, He's going to complete it. It's His will to complete it. Work with Him to complete it. Verse 42, let's look at that. I'll break it in three parts. Number one, Jesus' penetrating look. He looked through Him and saw everything. Beyond the outward and the superficial. Beyond the dress. Beyond the color of His skin. Beyond the outward appearance. He sees the heart. He sees the heart. You know, some of you old timers, you see a tattoo and you lose it. You've got to be able to love people more than being turned off by a tattoo. Just take it and walk with it. 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 That wasn't in the notes. You just take it and walk with it. It's how we judge others. God might deal with our kids that way and our grandkids. Be very careful how you talk about other people's kids. My grandmother used to always tell my mother, I've got three of my own that I've got to pray through, so I'm just going to hush. And then after that, I've got a whole bunch of grandkids they gave me that I've got to pray through, so I'm just going to hush. So it might do us all well. Don't talk so much about others. Just pray for one another and do our best for what God's given us. Can you say amen? amen? That was for free. That wasn't in the notes. Jesus' penetrating look. He saw everything. Yet he still said, follow me. <laughs> he saw everything. He saw every past. He saw, every, he saw everything. Yet he still said, follow me. God wants you. God wants you. God wants you. Others might reject you, but God wants you. Others might try to avoid you, but God wants you. Oh, he saw everything. Yet it didn't turn him off. He saw everything. But it didn't go on the other side of the street. God doesn't disqualify a person because of their past transgressions or even their present situations. He just says, follow me and I'll make you. Come to me and I'll transform you. Whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out, Jesus said. Whoever the Father brings to me, I will in no wise. I won't reject them. I'll receive the sincere one and I'll change them and I'll transform them. 
love that song Andre Crouch wrote so many years ago. He looked beyond my faults and he saw my knees. Jesus' penetrating look. Jesus' discernment of Simon's character. He looked at him and then he said, you are Simon. Mm. He said, I know you. I know everything about you. God knows your past secrets. God knows your present fears. God knows every flaw. God knows every hidden hurt. God knows every question you have. And God says, I know you, and I love you, and I'm calling you to myself. I desire to use your life. I desire to bless your life. And if you'll come to me, I will cleanse you. If you'll come to me, I will mend you. If you'll come to me, I will heal you. And my glorious salvation will elevate you. And the power of my Spirit will equip you. And the anointing of my grace will empower you to walk this life. I'll elevate and empower and equip your life to walk in the victory and to be who I've called you to be. He discerns his character and then he gives a description of his destiny. He says, you're going to be a rock. You're going to be a rock. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, he was a reed. You know, he's kind of like, shh. Jesus said, I'm gonna, you're going to be a rock when I get done with you. He was unstable, untrustworthy. He was here one minute, cut off ears the next. You're going to be a rock. You're going to be a rock. Look how far we've come. Anybody? Look how far we've come. Anybody? Look how far we've come. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? I mean, where were some of y'all at 25? Oh, Lord, God has brought us a mighty long way. Has He not? Hey, remember the habit you had at 25? Don't got them no more. Amen. Remember the things you'd laugh at at 25 and now you rejoice over. Hallelujah! He's brought us a mighty long way. Has He not? There's the penetrating look, the discernment of His character, then the description of His destiny. You're going to be a rock. You might be a reed right now. You might be here one Sunday and gone for five. You might be... But if you'll come after me, I've got more than forgiveness. I've got transformation for you. You're going to be a rock. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. I'd like to bring this out because we, you know, the time you're a child, right after John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, this is what brought a lot of us out of, you know, Catholicism and so forth. Amen? Where it was a works mentality, you come into salvation. It's grace through faith. Amen. And this is one of the verses you'll learn. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. How many know salvation is a gift of God? We don't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. (laughs) We can't merit it or achieve it. It's the grace of God. And our faith responds to the call of God's grace. It's a gift. But look at this. Verse 9. Not by work so no one can boast. We can't boast. It's amazing grace. That's our song, isn't that right? Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. And you know, nowadays they're taking wretch out of the song. They need to keep it in there and highlight it. We were wretches outside of Christ. Amen? But now here's the verse I want us to get. Here it is. Because remember, we're trying to go beyond forgiveness into transformation. Now remember, transformation demands breaking so we can build. You're not military. They broke you down so they could build you up. Amen? A good coach breaks you down, builds you back up. 
when you come to Jesus, He breaks you down those old ways of doing things, the old ways of being in control, the old ways of running my own ship. He breaks you down so you can come under His yoke and His Lordship. Then He builds you up and He makes you strong and more than a conqueror. For we are God's workmanship. His work of art. Isn't that beautiful? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, God's got a plan and a purpose for each one of us. God has worked for each one of us to do. Each one of us. God has ordained a path and a plan and a, and a purpose which God prepared in advance. Before we even came to Him, He knew us and He loved us and He had called us and He had a plan for us. He had a, you shall be for each one of us. God prepared in advance for us to do these works, to walk in these works, the King James, to walk in them. So he says to Peter, you are, but you shall be. Because I've prepared a work for you. And I've ordained a walk for you. And beyond just the grace and faith that brings that forgiveness and that initial salvation, I've got a destiny for your life. And he says to Peter, you shall be a rock. Oh, a rock. It speaks of stability in a changing world. Dependability in very demanding times. He says you're going to be a rock. He speaks to you and I this morning, those that are serious about walking with God. More than doing, he's speaking of who we are becoming. You're going to be a rock. You're going to be strong. You're going to be steady. You're going to be stable. You're going to be a strong, consistent follower of me. You're going to be consistent in your character, not wavering. You're going to be contagious in your life, affecting others for me. These are the words of the Savior. Let these words touch our hearts today. The Son of God speak to us. I see you. I know you. And I'll make you. William Barclay writes, the great thing about this story is that it tells us how Jesus looked at men. He doesn't only see what a man is. He sees what a man can become. He sees not only actualities in a man, He also sees possibilities in a man. That's how He saw Peter. That's how God sees us. You see, God sees what you've got in you to be. God sees what you got in you. Now, some men don't. Many people overlook. But God does. God sees. And He says, give your life to Me. And I'll make you what you have it in you to be. MacArthur comments, he says, you know, the name would both inform Simon of the rock he was to become, but it would also challenge him to pursue it. It would motivate and encourage him to go after it. And I hope that's what this message is doing to us today. That we're realizing it's not just merely a fire insurance thing that I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven someday when I die. But it's a call to walk with the Lord. It's a call to follow Him and to become the one He desires you to be. It's a call to grow in His grace. It's a call to accomplish the task He's ordained for our lives. It's that call to hear the prophetic utterance 
that was spoken over Peter be spoken over our lives. You are, but you shall be if you follow me. You are, and I know who you are, what you are, and where you are, and where you came from. But if you'll follow me, I have a better declaration for your life. If you'll give me your all, I will bring to pass a wonderful, glorious thing in your life. God's second greatest miracle. Let's pursue it, and let's become who God made us to be. Now, as we do that, we said earlier, this is a process and a partnership. Let me give you three quick thoughts to help us cooperate with God in the process of becoming. How many know we haven't arrived yet? Anybody? Anyone arrived yet? You can walk on water when we're done. We'll all watch you. Amen. We'll go by the gators. We'll see if it really works. All right? All right. So we we pretty much figure we're all on the same boat here. No one's arrived yet, right? Hey, the great apostle Paul, now he was up there, wasn't he? He was a heavyweight. Is he right? He said, I haven't obtained it yet. He said, I'm still reaching for the mark. So we understand no matter how long we've walked with God, and many of us here literally from our mother's wombs have grown in God's house, we're not there yet. So we're on the journey of becoming. We thank God for the greatest miracle. We've gotten saved. We came to Jesus. We're born from above. But now we are doing our part to partner with God and pursue the second greatest miracle that's becoming who God has called us to be. On one hand, it's being made more and more like Jesus, but on the other hand, it's being made more and more like the one Jesus made us to be. Because we're not all alike, are we? Sometimes, you know, actually some people are hindered in their spiritual growth because their concept of growing in God means they're going to act like sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. Couldn't be farther from the truth. You'll act like Jesus in your character, but you're going to act like you in your behavior. Everyone's got a different temperament. Everyone's got a different personality. God gave us those things. Amen? So He didn't make us no clones. You know what I mean? Look alike, dress alike. No. Some people are more studious. Thank God for them. Someone's got to build the bridges and fly the planes. And others are more creative. Praise God. Someone's got to draw the pictures and write the songs and do the poetry. Praise the Lord. Amen? So don't allow a misconception to hinder you from doing your part to pursue becoming the one God's called you to be. He's not going to make you act like this one or that one. He's going to make you act like the best you. The you He created you to be. Amen? So let there be peace. Let me give you three quick ones. Three quick ones. And these are very personal that you can just jot down mentally or jot down to help you as we cooperate with God and pursue pursue the second greatest miracle. Number one, we need to face the facts with faith. Face the facts with as I am pursuing. As I make up my mind, Lord, I'm thankful I'm going to heaven. But while I'm here, I want to serve you wholeheartedly and I want to grow and I want to be who you made me to be. Amen. So I have to face the fact of faith. He says, you are Simon. Peter had to face himself. And each one of us has to do the same thing. If we're going to grow, we're going to improve. Now, I face the facts. So hopefully, by the grace of God, I can change the facts. Amen. I mean, a lot of us came into this thing and we had a hairpin trigger for a temper. Isn't that right? I mean, I don't think I'm the only one. But by the grace of God, we're not like that anymore, are we? Oh, we're not perfect, but man, we're not what we used to be. Isn't that true? So at one time, that was the fact, but by the grace of God, He's worked on us. That's not the fact anymore. 
Some people came in and this thing still bound by those cancerettes, I mean those cigarettes, and um, still bound with the different things that they knew wasn't of God, but they overcame it. And so that's not a fact anymore in their life. They were free of that. They overcome that. But if I'm going to grow, I have to face the facts with faith so I can change the facts. When I read something in the book and I'm not lining up, when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with them, when I see an attitude or an action that I know is not pleasing to the Lord. Lord, I agree. This is how I am. Let's work on it. Let's work on it. Give me the grace to change. I'm going to grow. He's going to say, you are. When he says, Joe, you are, I can't argue with him. I have to say, yes, Lord. But I don't want to stay this way. Help me to overcome and grow in this area. Facing the facts with faith and then facing failures with hope. This is the marathon, not a sprint. Amen? Man, if it was just a sprint, man, it would be so easy. We could, we could believe. We could, we could all stay sweet for a sprint. Amen? But for some of us, staying sweet for a marathon is not as easy as it seems. Because the grumblies want to get us. Or the, you know, anyone get the grumblies? No? Come on, you can be honest. You're in church. It's all right. You know, be honest here. You might as well be. Facing the failures of hope. I speak to those that really want to go forward in God. And you're still at a place where that big breakthrough. See, what happens a lot of times in lives is when you start out, you go and you fall, and you fall and you go, and you struggle. And somewhere along the line, there's a great breakthrough in your life. There comes a time something happens and there's a great <clears throat> in your life. And it's not as hard after that, though you're still growing and progressing. So I speak to those that are still in that process. Face your failures with hope. This walk is a lifelong process that we never totally arrive till we see Jesus face to face. So never, never give up on yourself. For if you don't quit, you can't lose in the kingdom. And again, Peter's our example, isn't he? Didn't Peter fail a few times? I mean, he cut off ears. I mean, he's, he's, he's rebuking Jesus. I mean, talk about, you know, he, he's saying, he's boasting, he's not going to deny him, then he's denying him. I mean, I mean, Peter is our example. How often he failed, yet he became a great apostle, a rock, a pillar, an example for you and I. So listen, if you, if you fall, get up and get right and get going in Jesus. Don't cover up. What's that saying nowadays? Man up. Don't cover up, but man up. And take responsibility. And deal with that issue honestly. And let God work that change in your life. But by all means, go on with Jesus. Go on with Jesus. If I'm going to really become who God's called me to be, if I'm going to walk into that destiny, destiny, the destination that God has ordained for my life, I've got to face some facts with faith. I can't deny them and I can't ignore them. Amen? But if I'm honest with them, God will give me grace to overcome them. Because there is power in this salvation. But I have to face my failures with hope because I'm telling you ahead of time, don't mean to be a prophet of doom, but we all miss it from time to time. Amen? And we can't allow the devil to condemn us. We can't allow other people to lie to us about it. We just got to learn how to shed our tears, tell God, I'm really sorry, dust off and get back in there. But I'm telling you, if you'll do that, you'll find there's a whole lot less times you're falling than you used to. And then lastly, we face the future with determination. 
come too far to turn back now. Be determined you're going to make it. That you're going to stay faithful to Jesus regardless of what others do or don't do. If you're going to go on with Jesus, I've got to tell you something. Not everyone's going with you. Some people real close to you might not want it. Some people walk with you for a little bit and then they'll find out they weren't cut out for it. But you've got to make up your mind. Regardless of what others do, I'm going on with Jesus. Regardless of what others do, I'm going forward in the Lord. If I fall down, I will get back up. But I will not stop loving Him and serving Him and seeking Him regardless of what others do or don't do. You and I must make up our minds. We're going to serve the Lord and we're going to be the one He's called us to be. You are. You shall be. Can you say amen? As we close this service, let's remember the greatest miracle, salvation. So if you're here today and you have not received Jesus, now you can do it. Do it now. Do it now. Give Him your life. Give Him your life. That's the greatest miracle. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior and You're the only Savior. Forgive me. And by Your grace, I'll serve You. And I'll follow You. Make that commitment to Christ now. And You'll experience the greatest miracle. If you're sincere, He'll wash you. You'll be clean. You'll be forgiven. He'll receive you. He'll fill you with His Spirit. He'll make you a new creature. And then He'll speak to you. Follow Me. And if you really mean business, you'll get up and you'll follow Him. And you'll begin to serve Him. And you'll begin to walk with Him. But the first step is coming to Him and receiving Him and embracing Him. Do that right now. But then the second greatest miracle. Friends, let's pursue it. Amen? Let's not be satisfied with just a complacent walk with God. Let's go forward in what God has called us to be and to do in this life. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Our closing prayer. This is a prayer for anyone that really wants to go forward in the things of God. I'm going to pray the blessing. You can make a fresh commitment. And then I'll pray for needs. And then we can march on. Let us pray. Lord, help us to seriously partner with You in our spiritual growth. Father, keep us from being satisfied or content with a mediocre Christian experience. But help us to follow Your call, to seek You and to walk with You and to grow firm and strong in You. Father, we know You have much more for each one of us. You have a will and a destiny, a desire, a plan for each one of us. Before we even got saved, you knew us and you loved us and you had a purpose for us. Lord, we thank you that we're not a crowd, we're individuals. And as an individual, you have shed your blood for us. As individuals, you have a destiny for us as we seek you and walk with you. So Lord, we know you have much more for each of us and we want to become the people you've called us to be, Lord. So Father, help us to grow. Help us to advance in our faith. Help us to face the facts with faith. Help us to respond to the word you're speaking to our hearts right now. It might be a word someone's hearing about salvation. It might be a word someone's hearing about a new devotion. It might be a word someone's hearing about a, an action that they need to take. But Father, I pray that you'd help us to respond to what you're speaking to our hearts. And like you transformed Peter, Lord, transform us. Like you used Peter, use us. Make us into strong, stable, obedient sons and daughters of God. 
And now, Father, I pray for those that are here today that might have a, a pressing need. They might have a special need. It might be physical. It might be financial. It might be something in the family. It might be a decision that they have to make. Father, in Jesus' name, please answer the prayers of your people. Please touch those right now that need a physical touch. Father, heal them. Let that thing disappear. Let your healing power flow and work into their lives powerfully right now. Father, those that need wisdom, give them clear thinking. Those that have decisions to make, Lord, clearly show them what they need to do, the path they need to take. And Father, I pray for homes, that you'd allow your divine peace to fill every home that's represented here. Father, I pray that every home that calls in your name, they'd know the sweet peace of your presence. They'd know the love and the sweet communion that your Holy Spirit fosters. Father, bless these dear ones. Give them a great week and use them mightily for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you on Wednesday. Don't forget your offering in the back and your distancing as you go. God bless you.